What a beautiful song. It never gets old. Our sins, they are many, but His mercy is more. Well, in case we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Steve Grissom. I'm the associate pastor here at Sasha Baptist Church, and it is my privilege to preach the, the word to you this morning. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Such a short passage, that doesn't mean that the sermon necessarily is shorter, <laughs> but um, quite a powerful passage as we think about the Lord's mercies, we think about um, who we are as people who walk by faith. We are impacted above all by God's love. That is the theme this morning. Well, as you turn to 1 John chapter 2, I have a question for you. When someone says they have a command for you, do you get excited? Probably not. Recently, I told one of my daughters I had something for her to do while I was gone. She was not thrilled at first until I told her to make a dessert. Then uh, she got excited. Well, commands are not always received well, but in leadership, it is vital to relate to those you're trying to lead as commands are given. Former Prime Minister Winston Churchill would try to make sure that his men had creature comforts, such as fresh bread and a good postal service to connect with their families. This was important as he commanded them, as he commanded the men in the trenches. The men trusted Churchill, so naturally they followed. Well, in a similar manner, we have a command for us this morning from John. It is a command that we obviously are called to follow. It is worthy of our attention as we think about what it means to be the children of God. So let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. And we're going to look at what John calls an old but new command. This is a command for our good, and it is a command that we learn as we love others. So let's read it together. 1 John 2, verses 7 through 11. John writes these words. He says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says, he is in the light, but hates his brother or sister, is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Lord, I pray that our eyes will not be darkened, but our eyes will be opened as we think about your great love that's given through your great command. So, Father, as your people, help us to not just hear your word, but as James says, to be a doer of it, to obey it, to follow it. And so, Father, we are so thankful for your word, but I'm also so thankful for your people that we get to follow in obedience together. 
that as one struggles, we pick them up. As one succeeds, we walk with them. And so as we walk hand in hand, as we walk together by faith, help us to love you and to love one another. We ask all these things in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. So, as we look at this short passage, I want us to see three realities for the children of God who are called to love one another. The first reality is this, it's to remember the command. So easy for me to forget simple things. I forget what I had for dinner last night. I forget what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. But John wants us to remember this command. He gives us this command and he begins by saying, my little children or dear friends or beloved. It shows the closeness that he had with them, shows the connection that he had with them and their bond in Christ. John writes the children of God with an important message. Well, what is the message? To remember the command. Not just to hear it goes in one ear and not the other, but to remember the command. It's not new, but... Just like children need to be reminded of a command, John's audience needs to be reminded as well. Actually, who am I kidding? We all need to be reminded of this message. We all need those reminders. So the old command is to love God and to love others. Now, this is, I I dare say, this is probably not the first time you've heard this. You've heard this command before, but we don't always apply the command. We hear this in the Old Testament. We won't look at these verses now, but I encourage you to look at them later. Leviticus 19, 18 tells us to love God and to love one another. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, same message, love God, love one another. We read the newness of this command in John's gospel. Look what John 13 says, I give you a new command straight out of the mouth of Jesus. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, here's the key, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So there is fruit that flows from our faith. Others will see that we are followers if we not only listen to the Lord's command, but we obey it. So what is new about this command that's highlighted in our passage today? Why did they need to hear this yet again? Well, I think the newness of the command is to live out the love of Jesus. To see that love on practical display. Christianity is a practical religion. It's a theological religion. But also, not only do we have beliefs, but our behavior reflects what we believe. And so... The love of Jesus impacted John, and the love of Jesus has impacted us in such a radical way that it changes our very desires, it changes our very thoughts, it changes our very behavior, and that's what John is getting at here. So John is telling us, don't advocate for yourself as agenda, but rather to look out for others, to consider them as important, and dare I say, even more important than yourself. So what is John saying here? John's saying that not only should our words reflect Christ, but our actions, our very actions should reflect Christ. When we love one another, it reflects our commitment to Christ. But it also shows the power of the Spirit 
that changes us from the inside out. I recognize more and more that it's truly a miracle of God when I love others. Because I know me, and I know how selfish I am. I know how much I want to do my agenda and to do things that please me. And so when I love others, I say that I'm going to submit myself to them. I know how much I love me. And I might not agree with others, but when I love others, this is the miracle of God. So John is hopeful here as he writes to the believers, not because they in of themselves are powerful, but because the Word of God is powerful to change. Not only to change them, but to change us today. Well, the second thing I want us to see is not only are we called to remember the command, the second thing is to reflect the command. This is not just hear and do, but reflect the love of Christ. In verse 8, John defines his purpose statement in saying, I'm writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Well, what, what does this mean? What is John trying to say? Well, first he's telling us that it is true in him. Who is the in him? It is Christ. So this is true in Christ. The command is carried out perfectly by our Savior. We see that in his life and in his ministry. But then he says, it's also true in you. So he's affirming his audience. He's saying that you are following, that you are obeying. It's true in you. That's encouraging. It's not surprising that it's true in him. It's not surprising it's true in Christ. It's surprising that it's true in you, in us. This is the Spirit of God at work. So John writes to you and to I to tell us the power of this new but old command. The language is a bit tricky. I don't know if you found it to be the case. But he says, when we think of something that is old and yet new, it is true in him and true in you. This sounds almost like a riddle to solve. But when I think of something old and yet new, I think of maybe Christmas decorations that you buy at the end of the season, you know, when they're 60% off, 70% off, and then you get them out next Christmas season, and you're like, oh, where did this come from? It is new. Well, while the command to love one another never wears out like Christmas decorations, those decorations do have something in common with the way in which we receive the command. We are to receive the command as lights in the world who reflect the true light, Jesus Christ. We are that light. The world gets to see Christ in us. Through us, we are the light of the world. Recently, I was driving down Main Street at night with one of my daughters. I saw some Christmas lights on a house, and I said, "Uh, I think it's about time to take those down, don't you think? And uh, (laughs) Bree had the same reaction as my daughter. She said... I kind of like them. They stand out in the darkness. That's a true statement. Well, that's what John is telling us here, that we get to stand out in the darkness, that we are the light of the world. So John reminds us of this contrast of light and darkness in verse 8. He tells us that the true light is already shining, and that darkness is not winning. In fact, it's passing away. So John is affirming the believers The light is already on display. It's already being carried out. It's already 
being seen by the watching world. The light continues to spread as we obey this old yet new command. The, new, the newness of living out this command reflects the new birth that's brought about by the grace of God. If our hearts are full of the grace of God, then we will show the love of God. We will reflect Christ's love. Christ-like love shows a faith that not only believes in Christ, but who behaves like Christ. This is where we turn now in our passage. We went through the first two points quickly, to remember the command, to reflect the command. Now the third one we're going to dwell on and sit a little bit longer. Remain in the light through love. This is verses 9 through 11. We're to remain in the light, we're to reflect the light through loving one another. Look at verse 9. It says, the one who says he's in the light, that, that is easy, that's the easier part, but hates his brother or sister, is in the darkness until now. This is what the watching world might call hypocrisy. This is the hypocrisy at its finest. Those who claim one thing, who says, oh, I'm walking in the light, yet they're doing the exact opposite. They're reflecting hatred, the Scripture said, instead of light and love. I want us to be careful here in verse 9 because it's easy for us to skip past it and say, okay, that's not me. Let's move on to verse 10. But this is not just for those people or the one who contradicts their commitment. This is for us, for you, for me, for us to take stock of our lives. If we say we are in the light, we have to start there. We are in the light. If we say that, our lives should reflect that light through our love. Love will flow from our lives and not hatred. Hate is such a strong word. We're quick to renounce its appearance in our lives. Yet, if we use the language of destruction and humiliation or violence towards others, it may be, it may be indicative of hate in our hearts. Pastor Jared Wilson was helpful for me this past week. He gave me some questions to consider for my own life. I'd like for us to look at these questions together as we think about what does it mean to truly love others. These are what you might call x-ray questions. They're going to be up on the screen for us. He says, how do you think of others? Is your hatred fed by confirmation bias? Do you dismiss correction of your critique because the corrections don't fit your narrative? Do you love to hate somebody? Do you hope for their failure and inwardly delight when it comes? Do you have the slightest inkling that your desire for justice has bled into desire for vengeance? And if so, do you find any of that commensurate with loving your neighbor? Ouch. As I've said to someone earlier, um, each week when I hear the word of God, it steps on my toes. And we must respond accordingly. Those hatred and hate doesn't correspond to what John has for us here. It doesn't correspond to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. What does he say? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So we are called to love one another. 
I've told my children before, and will likely tell them again, sometimes you can't control how others treat you, but you can control how you love them. I need that reminder myself. We should be careful of saying things like, well, I don't hate so-and-so. I just can't stand them and don't want them anywhere around me. As long as they're a good two miles away, we're good. That's not love. That's stubborn pride. When we hate others, it doesn't surprise the world. But if we love others, it may give them pause. Because our love shows love from God. If we are honest, sometimes it is hard, it is very difficult to love others, but Jesus said it never would be easy. And sometimes it's hard because our attention is drawn away from loving God. What are some things that draw us away from, draw our attention away from God? Perhaps an obsession with your reputation or your occupation or frustration with others that they don't think or act like you. That's frustrating. Whatever it may be, there's no justification for hating others. Let's look at the seriousness again of verse 9. What does it say? It says, if you hate your brother or sister, John says, to knock it off or cool your jets for five minutes. No, that's not what John says. It doesn't say give, you have a five-minute timeout. It says, if you hate your brother or sister... You are in the darkness. That's serious. This should not characterize the children of God who know that God is light. We are to walk in that light. So, I want us to see a warning here in verse 9. That the way that we walk can impact the relationships that we have with others. We want them to hear the truth from our words... But just as much as we want them to hear that, we want them to see the truth from the way we love them. The way that we walk can impact the relationships that we have with others. Are there relationships with non-believers where you're still walking in the darkness instead of shining the light of Christ into their lives? If so, what can we do to change that? A change is required because if we continue to walk in darkness, John says that there are grave consequences. The gravity of verse 9 is clear. If you hate, you are not only in the dark, but you're lost. We understand this from other verses in Scripture. Even within 1 John itself, in a few weeks we're going to look at 1 John 4 that says this, If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. The one who hates separates, again, their belief from their behavior. Hatred cannot be excused away for anyone who claims to follow God, for God is love. So we cannot justify such behavior. Anyone who justifies hatred are among the same group that yelled crucify as Jesus headed to the cross. Well, we see the negative aspect of the command to love one another in verse 9. Now let's look at the positive aspect of following God's command outlined in verse 10. Verse 10, it says, the one who loves his brother 
or sister remains in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. So John now reminds us what true followers look like. If we are to walk in the light, then we will walk in the love of Christ. This means that we know God. And if we know God, our fellowship is with His Son. That's what he said in 1 John 1. Our fellowship is with the Son who is Christ. And not only is our fellowship with the Son, our fellowship is with His people who is the church. And so our love for one another produces evidence of our beliefs. And it produces a well-lit path, not only for ourselves on the journey, but for others as well. The one who loves not only carries out Christ's commands, but looks like Christ. Thomas Goodwin, the English Puritan preacher, said this, Christ is love covered over in flesh. That is good. That is powerful. We are to look like Christ, and Christ is love covered over in flesh. Well, speaking of preachers from of old, I recently read where Jonathan Edwards was struggling in trying to preach a sermon specifically to the children in his congregation. I think it was for the children who were like ages 3 to 10. And he was struggling at the sermon that he was to preach. And finally, at the top of the page, he wrote to the children, August 1740. And this was his message. Children ought to love the Lord Jesus above all things in the world. As we love the Lord, we will naturally love others. Well, who does that sound like? Well, besides Edwards, it sounds like Jesus. We are to love the Lord and we will naturally love others. So as we think about the words of 1 John here, it's clear that we must walk in love with each other. So my question for us is, how can this be done better as the body of Christ here at SSBC? Well, that's not a question to answer right now, per se, but it's a question for us to think about individually, or maybe in our growth groups, and collectively, how can we love one another better? As we think about remaining and living in the light through loving one another, John outlines for us, once again, the seriousness of sin in verse 11. This is our last verse. Let's reread verse 11. This amplifies verse 9. It says, the one who hates his brother or sister, is in the darkness. They walk in the darkness, and they don't know where they're going. Because the darkness has blinded their eyes. Well, earlier this week on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, there were many stories, many, many quotes going around on social media King said many bold truths in a life that was cut short. One of my favorite quotes, I'm sure you might have heard it before, it's appropriate for our passage. King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. So as we look at verse 11, as it expands upon verse 9, we see what hatred does that we are in the dark, that we cannot see. So if hatred is what you choose, then darkness will mark your days. So John makes it clear that if you hate your brother or sister, 
you are walking in darkness. The one who's in darkness does not love, cannot be in the light because they've been blinded. They cannot see by the darkness. So as children of the light, we are to walk in that light. Darkness can sometimes be mysterious and alluring, but the darkness that John describes here is serious and is devastating. Not only does it impact our vision, but it impacts our path forward. So brother or sister, don't be enthralled by darkness. Don't be tempted by sin. Don't look to the world. Look to the one who shows us love, who laid down his life. Scripture shows us a gospel-shaped love that points to a suffering Savior who died in your place. God loved us. We just read that while we were dead in our sin, Christ died for us. So you are called to love. I am called to love. We don't deserve God's love, yet we are shown it. So if you love God, if you love the promises of Scripture, if you love Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, love others. Love well. We are loved deeply, so we are called to love one another deeply. We are not called to reject and ridicule, but we are called to care and love one another. 1 John 3 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. What a powerful word. This past week I heard someone say, I think there's a real hunger for community within our country. I'd say yes, but even more so, there's a real hunger for community within the church body. So let us love one another deeply. Well, as we close this passage, I want to take a moment and I want to talk to those this morning who may not be following Christ yet. Perhaps you resonate with the part of the passage where it talks about being in the light, yet hating their brother or sister. Perhaps you say, yeah, I see the hypocrisy, and I see hatred, and it's unsettling. Now, I don't want to discredit those situations, but I want to just take a moment and to refocus your gaze. Don't look at those who may show you superficial love. Look at the one who shows us supernatural love. Jesus Christ, who died in your place. Look to Him. Repent of your sins and believe in Him. There you will find love. That's why Paul tells us, walk in love. As Christ also loved us and gave Himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. It's because of Christ that we love one another. It is good to obey this old yet new command to love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this command. Help us to remember it when we want our own way. Help us to reflect the light of Christ when darkness is all around us. Help us to live out the love of Jesus Christ. Not just in our workplace and in our homes, but within this church body. 
Help us to do that. Enable us. Give us the power to love one another. Father, we thank you and praise you for your love. For apart from your love, we would be lost. We would be dead in our sins. We would be in the pit of despair. But yet you have opened our eyes to see the light of Christ. So help us even now to love one another. Father, we thank you and praise you for your love. Lord, teach us each day to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul and might and strength. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I thank you for your people. As the body of Christ, I love them. And more importantly, you love us. So Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name that I pray. Amen.